Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner in crime for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, your vocation, your spiritual life, or maybe your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds. Um, Tracy, I love these conversations that we can have with one another and also that we can have with our friends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, today we're privileged to have uh, one of my best friends uh, who happens to be my boss and my pastor, uh, Tony Vismore, uh, with us from Grace Fellowship. Uh, We've known each other for a a number of years, and uh, it's been a privilege to be a part-timer, but for, gosh, I guess I'm starting my second year, because COVID seems like it just was a time warp uh, as a full-time staff person with Pastor Tony, and it's a pleasure to to have you with us today, Tony. It's great to be here. It's it's so nice to uh, sit down with you guys. It's always refreshing to uh, just be in your presence. Thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for joining us, and and Tracy... uh, has been a dear friend of mine, and uh, it's, it's just great to see the work that uh, that you and Tracy are doing together uh, here in this ministry. So tell us a little bit more about you. Uh, Tony, tell us uh, about what you're doing and how you're serving. Well, I, I serve as the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church in Watkinsville, Georgia, which is just outside of Athens. Uh, I've had the privilege, my family and I have had the privilege of serving here uh, since 2003, so I guess that's about 18, 19 years. Uh, prior to coming to Grace, uh, we served at a, a small church in Gainesville, Georgia, um, for a, about two years as the lead pastor there. Uh, and then prior to that, I was actually working in the secular marketplace uh, for a Fortune 100 company. Sort of got here uh, kind of a non-traditional route in becoming a lead pastor. Uh, after college, I came to faith to Christ while I was in college, and uh, I was going to be an educator. I just wanted to be a coach. That's where I thought it was. And then uh, the Lord began to deal with my heart about ministry and what that would look like. A uh, long story that I won't go into, it led me ultimately after graduation to work for a large corporation. And I was there for seven years. And during that time, uh, the Lord really spoke to my heart about uh, Athens, Georgia, hmm. uh, that God would open up an opportunity for us to come here, and this would be the city that we would give our life for, for the glory of Christ uh, in the, the office of pastorate. Uh, what I didn't know is when the Lord spoke that to my heart that it would be seven years later hmm. before that happened. So one of the things I, I learned early on is when God speaks to your heart, it's true. The promises are yes and amen. But it may not be yes and amen today. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're just going to have to walk that out. Um, and there actually came a time where I did not, I came to a point that I thought, eh, maybe maybe I didn't hear God concerning Athens. Uh, because we had looked at several churches. Uh, the Assemblies of God had actually contacted me about starting a church. And we just couldn't get the, the pieces of the puzzle to come together. Um, and I had almost uh, just set it aside when I heard that there was a church looking for a a, uh, pastor grace fellowship. And uh, I looked into it and um, kind of began that process and the interviews with through the denomination and the elder board here. And um, they were gracious to extend a call to me and we came and it's, it's been a storybook experience since God's been remarkably, remarkably gracious to us. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I want, I want to take time not only uh, thanking you for being a part of our conversation, but to thank you for serving. Um, you know, I pastored a, a local congregation for uh, almost 20 years and now working at Emmanuel for 15 years and, and spending time with, with people and, and understanding uh, the weight of caring, uh, the weight of love, <laughs> because it's a different type of leadership. Uh, it, is, it is leading by loving, by caring, by training and developing. Uh, talk to us about some lessons you have learned and are learning in this uh, process of ministry. Well, that's, uh, how do you answer that? Uh, I almost feel like John when he wrote his gospel there. And he said, if I, if I wrote everything to you that Jesus did, all the books of the world would not be able to contain it. <laughs> if, I don't know even where to begin with that. There's so much you learn every day, every, every week, every month, uh, through every process, through different seasons. Obviously, we're coming out of covid uh, what all did we learn there? Uh, there is, there are just so many things. It just almost depends on where you land with that question. If you, what did you learn personally? A lot of things we learned. What did you learn uh, professionally? A lot. What did you learn about our culture? A lot. What did you learn about the church? A lot. Some of it wasn't very good. Uh, what was some of the things we learned about community? Uh, this, that. So for me right now, I'm, I'm still sort of putting it all together. Um, you know, I don't feel like I'm treading water. I don't feel like I'm just trying to survive at this moment. I feel like we've made some good progress and we're learning some things uh, from that and continuing to learn. But I think generally, uh, if I had to put a one, one big umbrella, it would be this, is that God truly is faithful. Mm. He, he's just faithful. He's faithful to be who he said he would be to hold us, to keep us, to providentially direct us, uh, to comfort us, to challenge us. Um, and, and I think at this point I would say I've learned this confidence and assurance in the faithfulness of the sovereignty of God. Boy, and it takes that, some that's, pressure that's off. enough. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah, it takes some pressure off to know that it's, uh, it's really, it is my job, but it's not my job. That God is is sovereign. That uh, that He can use even our, our mistakes. He can, and maybe especially our mistakes, to accomplish His His good purposes in our lives. Hmm. Confidence. Um, we, you know, we encourage confidence. We want leaders to, hey, you know, know what you're doing and, and know that you can do it well. But confidence in God, who is guiding and providing. Um, when you've served as many years in ministry as the three of us have, meaning we're not quite as young as we used to be, right, guys? Uh, we have learned. Um, what What are some of the thoughts, um, Tracy and Tony, that you guys have uh, as you think from a local church setting, um, but also uh, understanding relational leadership? What are some thoughts? Well, I think one of the things that we do kind of learn, uh, one of the takeaways so far from COVID is this. Um, we knew it uh, intellectually. We knew it in our conversations. We knew it in our narratives that we were speaking. But now I think we're knowing it at the deepest DNA level. And it's this relationships win the day. Mm -hmm. They carry the day. Um, the presentation is important. 
the service programming is important. Uh, the structure is important. The systems are important. But what wins the day at the end of the day is going to be relationships. And I think uh, one of the things that we really stepped back and wanted to embrace a little deeper was uh, it's easy to have a very quick relationships. And you can't have deep relationships with everyone. But every relationship at every level ultimately will win the day if we embrace it at that moment and at that time. So uh, that's one of the things I probably took away or we as a church are trying to take away and trying to embrace a little bit more. So much emphasis does go to programming and systems and processes, and, and it's necessary. I actually heard this quote the other day I thought was fantastic, that systems are important because systems tell people you love them, mm. that you've cared enough to make a process and a system and a pathway for them to move forward in their journey. So it is an expression of love. But so much emphasis can be put on the infrastructure mm-hmm. that we lose the sight that at the end of the day, it's for relationship Christ yeah. came. And it's for relationship Christ sends us into uh, our world and our community. That is so true, Tony. Uh, we Jesus died for people. He didn't die for programs. And I, I think that this, the, the, the structures we place around that helped conserve the fruit of that. But it's not a coincidence that, that Jesus would summarize the commandments and, hey, love the Father sovereignly, love the, the Father uh, exclusively and above all, but also then looks out laterally and says, oh, but love people around you. How, how is the culture? How is the community? How, how the relationships we have with other people, that's, the, that's really the acid test of my faith in Jesus is the way I treat you. And uh, I think, um, you know, as I look back, uh, well, it was probably 10 years ago. I was at uh, a ministry conference and, you know, pastors from so many different places were there and in hearing all of the new programs and how to um, how to do things better and the things we should choose that we can do better. And I'm looking around, and, and I had relationships with a lot of the pastors who were there. They didn't need more information on the systems then. They did not need another possible or potential program. Um, they needed to learn how to deal with hurt. They needed to learn how to deal with pain. And uh, so as, we, as I talked to those in leadership and we planned the next gathering of those ministers. We included, you know, practical ways to, to pastor and to have good programs and to lead and guide, but we wanted more of an emphasis on relationships, on the people, and on how to deal with the hurt that we carry. Uh, you've been, I mean, you've been pastoring this many years. You, you know pain. You know hurt. Uh, not only that that you have experienced but that those who are serving in ministry around us, there's a lot of hurting leaders in this season. Yeah, uh, COVID, uh, COVID brought out a lot uh, in so many areas. And uh, someone asked me one day, uh, how's COVID affected you? And my response was, in 10,000 ways I don't even know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this was an event... Um, this was a worldwide pandemic and it impacted everything in our life. It wasn't like there was a crisis at the church and then I could 
deal with that during the day and then go home and be with my family and go to rec league soccer team games and then hang out with my wife and go out to dinner with friends and that be and then sort of plug back into it tomorrow at the crisis or it wasn't just a crisis in my family that we're trying to manage some financial issue or something with the kids and but everything at the church is good and so I could kind of lean into that everything got disrupted our personal life uh, how uh, how we educated our children uh, where we would go to dinner how we bought groceries how we hung out with our extended families how we greeted one another do we shake hands do we hug do we fist bump do we you know and then we had to learn a whole new vernacular uh, like this phrase was used 10 billion times in our life, right? Do you have a mask as we're getting out of a car? So that that's extraordinarily disruptive. And then you have a church that, as a pastor, you're trying to lead. And, and they don't know. And you've got all these different voices within the church. And then you throw... Uh, within how how we worship has changed, how we gather has changed. We're not gathering. Now we're trying to do it online. We hate online. We hate Zoom. We, we're frustrated with this. And why don't we have faith to get back in church? And how can you possibly go back to church now? Aren't you endangering the people's lives? So you're getting attacked on all sides. Every side. And then you're trying to, if you, if, if you have a church staff, uh, you're trying to navigate them because they are all being impacted personally at the same time, and professionally. Um, they have different political leanings and views and reflections on where they are in the journey. Uh, then you have elder boards. And so some of the elder boards are like, why are we even talking about COVID? It's just a, it's nothing. And others are going, shut it down. We can't be at church. We're endangering people's lives. And you got to navigate all that. Uh, then you have all the voices in the community, and you hear other churches say things like, well, we're going to have church because we believe God's able to protect us, mm-hmm. which the backhand statement to that is, you're not having church because you don't have faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you say, oh, it, but then the other church down the road says, we're not having church because we love our people. We love our community. What's the backhand statement of that? You're having church, so you don't <laughs> love your community. You don't love the people in Mm-hmm. in your church. Uh, then you throw in there the racial conflicts uh, and the different views. Uh, are you Black Lives Matter? Or are you not Black Lives Matter? Why aren't you saying more? Why did you say anything at all? Why aren't you supporting the police more? Why are you not supporting this movement more? And then you throw in the the election process and the, the wonky that that was. And, you know, why don't you support this candidate? Why are you not decrying against that candidate. Why are you not, how can any Christian ever vote for that person? Or how can any Christian not vote for this person? Why are you being silent in this? And then you, in our context, you have all the prophets running around. And so you're getting all these folks saying this and that, and then you throw in. And so you're trying to navigate yourself, which is complicated, (laughs) Because I have political views and thoughts and trying to sort through it. You're trying to find good information. You can. People are angry and they're always shooting arrows at you. So, yeah, there's a lot of wounds that came out of this. And it didn't matter if you were in a small church or a large church. It simply mattered that you were in leadership. And there was a lot of arrows that that were shot your way. 
And I think learning not how to deal with pain, and, and as pastors, we tend to think of the pain of the other people. How do I help them navigate through their hurt, mm-hmm. their, uh, their offense? And we're having to figure out that for ourselves now. How do I go to my pulpit not angry and mad and not attack? How do I, how do I pray without not being so vengeful? And these are complicated. And, and the struggle is all pastors everywhere are dealing with this. It's not like Bob is doing, having to deal with it in his context. And he's got seven other friends that aren't dealing with that so they can be real supportive. All his friends are dealing with the same thing as well. So finding an anchor in Christ that we can lean into for this own personal healing as we're healing our church, as we're healing our community, it's a challenge. It wow. is a big challenge. I'm reminded it was Henry Nowen that wrote the book, The Wounded Healer. And I'm thinking of that as I listen to you, Tony. And, and thank you, by the way, for going there, for just being open and yeah. real and transparent. Uh, I certainly resonate with that and, and walking together as a, as a team through that. I love that, you know, we're all, we're, we are literally in the same environment having to make these choices. And in light of my relationship with Jesus and our relationships with Jesus and our relationships with each other and our families, et cetera, uh, I, I look forward to, to uh, continuing this conversation and maybe talking about some ways God has helped us through this and things that we're still learning uh, I think yeah. that's the one thing I'm hearing as well as we're still learning. We're probably just beginning the education. We may be in kindergarten from uh, from this, but it's uh, some some steps forward. Yeah, and it's so good. And thank you for being honest with us. We have more questions for you, so we'll talk to you again for the next uh, podcast. But um, I'm I'm thinking back at your um, just kind of taking us there of that tension. You know, it's been in this season of tension it's and terrible uh, tension. so many people battling uh, the unknown because this was not part of our plan. <laughs> this was not on our agenda. And even though this is one example, that often happens in a variety of ways in leadership. So that's why we want it to be a life of learning, but not learning alone, learning together as we lead together and trying uh, to understand that uh, in many ways our next step can be our best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Hey, do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans. And new music is coming soon. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.